Coming up next on Magical Medical Tour with my co-host, Dr. Glenn Woolman, and special guest, Terry Woolman, producer, guitarist, composer, and the host of Making It with Terry. Have you ever wondered why certain music makes you feel certain ways? Did you know that sounds can help you heal? Well, this and more coming up next here on YHTV. This week's episode is brought to you by Support the Mountain's Herbal Parasite Cleanse. This formula targets the small and large intestinal tracts and larvae, the most broad-spectrum formula available today. 100% organic, formulated by Dr. Mikio Sanki, author of the Esoteric Acupuncture Series. For 10% off your first bottle, visit shopyogahub.com and use the coupon code CLEANSE at checkout. Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Souza Ma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. Great day coming up today, Christina. Oh, yeah. That's going to be good. We're going to have you bouncing today, I think. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I will be your medical guide, along with Christina today, as we travel through the healthcare galaxy. Uh, each week, we are exploring ways to achieve optimal health. Today mm -hmm. is episode 158, Music and Your Health. And we're going to see how music may affect uh, physical and mental health and healing. We're going to be talking with Terry Wallman. And if that name sounds familiar, you'll find out why in just a few moments. Christina, if people want to get in touch with us, how do they do it? Yes. Well, at any time during the show, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Now, if you're listening to us on a podcast, just give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Thank you, Doc. You're quite welcome. So, everybody, I'm very excited today. I've been trying to get this person on for a while. I thought I had uh, pull. But uh, apparently not. So <laughs> Terry Wallman is a producer. He's a guitarist. He's a composer and the host of Making It with Terry Wallman. And he's my cousin. Whee! So, Terry, welcome. <laughs> thank you, Glenn. And thank you, Christina. And thanks for your patience and um, having me on your show. I've really been looking forward to doing this. Oh, thank so, you for being with us. We're, I'm really excited. I'm sure we're all very excited. Love yeah. music. <laughs> Me too. We're going to be having a lot of fun with this, Terry, but I'd like to start out, people that watch uh, Magical Medical Tour and listen to it know that uh, I'm a fan of Leonard Cohen, and he uh, produced an iconic song, Hallelujah. And in that song, the first lines say, there is a chord, and it pleased the Lord. <laughs> so what I would like to see is if you have a chord that would please Magical Medical Tour and Christina. I do, and I and I'm going to play it for you on my vihuela. Vihuela, oh. wow. The chord that pleased the Lord, uh, and please Christina. Beautiful. I told you I'm in love. Yeah. There you <laughs> And by so the Terry, way, that chord is a major chord. Uh, what chord is it? C? 
It's a C nope. major chord, the, the oh, chord nice. I started with. Apparently, Beautiful. according to Leonard Cohen, that is the chord that pleases the Lord. Oh, okay. So mm. we're in here. Yes, we are. So, Terry, as the medical guide, we're going to uh, find out a little bit of your story. We're going to talk about uh, music and healing and maybe from around the world, different instruments we're going to look at, how sound affects us in different ways. Uh, and we're just going to go from there. we got lots of possibilities for today. That sound all right with you? That sounds great. I'm in. Okay, so let's, you know, as we always do, we always try and find out about the person. So why don't you give us the history of Terry Wallman, uh, starting from when you decided you wanted to play music up until about five minutes before the show. Okay. Uh, like you, I grew up in Miami, Florida. Uh, I played different instruments uh, growing up, started with guitar, uh, moved to piano, played drums for a year, uh, clarinet in junior high school, which I was... Um, not very good at. I, I had a natural instinct for all of these these other instruments, and then um, and then got serious about music, which we'll talk about more later on in the show. Um, you know, more in high school. Really, when I was fifteen, I moved with my dad to Mexico, and uh, bought a nylon string guitar there, and really chose that as my instrument, uh, and got serious about it. And and serious meaning focused. And uh, after high school. Um, I was not really uh, sure what I was going to do with my life, and music uh, kind of was a, a great guide uh, and lifeline for me to um, to make a great life. And, and I ended up going to school in Miami at the Miami-Dade Junior College, and then I moved to Boston to go to Berklee College of Music, which is a renowned uh, music school in the world, and got a degree in arranging. I wanted to become not just a guitar player, but more of a complete musician. I moved to Los Angeles in 1981 and have been making a living uh, as a record producer, a recording artist, a guitarist, an arranger, songwriter. Uh, in 1981, I had uh, my first um, touring experience playing guitar with Billy Preston and went to Europe and then came back and um, and did a lot of have done a lot of things since then. I've got seven albums out, including an album that you and I did together called Sleep Suite, which we'll talk about today. And uh, more recently, I've been um, producing other artists. I just produced Tony Bennett and Dick Van Dyke and Alan Bergman with Dave Grusin for a, move, a really beautiful movie that I want to talk to you about. And, and I'm writing my next album. I'm working on my eighth album right now. Oh, uh, nice. Magnificent. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, w I would add also you're, you're a teacher of music. You've been nominated yes. for multiple Grammys. Uh, and I've been on the, know, the ballot for multiple Grammys, yes. Right. Yes. So you, you mentioned uh, this uh, special movie that you just did. Why don't we talk about uh, that for a, a second or two? It's really wonderful. It's on HBO. It just came out this month, and it's called If You're Not in the Obit, Eat Breakfast. And it's narrated by Carl Reiner. And there are vignettes of people that are in their 90s and 100s who are living active, vital, uh, profoundly uh, filling and fun-filled lives. And the, the, the music... Um, really, there was no music in the movie originally. This is really um, these stories about people, some celebrities, um, Dick Van Dyke, Betty White, uh, Stan Lee, uh, really Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, Norman Lear, some very wonderful people, but also non-celebrities. There's a 98-year-old yoga teacher. 
There are um, there's a woman who has started running in her 60s, and she's in I believe she's in her well she's in her 90s now, and she's a world record holder in her age group, partially because. There's no competition in her age group <laughs> at this point, um, but she but she trains and she runs and she's really lovely. So that's what the movie is about. And what the way I got involved in it is the director was was doing the the episode on on Dick Van Dyke and Dick was singing and dancing during his interview, and uh, the director asked me if I might be able to do an arrangement of music and put a band together and go with, with Dick into the studio. So we did. And I, I met with he and him and his wife at his house and we picked a song young at heart. And, uh, I did an arrangement. We went to Capitol recording studios and filmed it. We're actually in the movie on camera, uh, working with him. And, and that led to me also working with two other music icons who are in their nineties, uh, Tony Bennett and also Alan Bergman. And Alan and, Ber- Alan and Marilyn Bergman have written a lot of hits, and and we went in the studio with another wonderful artist, Dave Grusin, who did that arrangement, and and I produced that as well. And the reason that ended up in the movie because music was a big part, is a big part of their vitality. It keeps them inspired. It keeps them young. Um, not it. It keeps them young at heart, literally. Beautiful. And that's what we're going to talk about today, music and healing. And it's very interesting because it's all about sound and the way our body works with sound. We know that the uh, systems of sound and hearing uh, start in the uterus very early. uh, Mm -hmm. And we learn about sound through vibration. And one of the interesting things that I did in my research is, you know, there's the certain frequency of sounds that we hear in the human ear. And then there's sounds that are below that frequency and above that frequency. And within the realms of medicine and healing, medicine, Western medicine, uses the sounds that are above the hearing sounds, like ultrasound. You've heard of ultrasound, where people can get a picture of a baby in the uterus or other things. And uh, ultrasound is used for healing in many different ways on the skin and uh, to increase circulation and blood flow and soothing Mm -hmm. muscles, relaxing muscles. And then below is you hear about things like lithotripsy, where through sound waves you can break up a potential kidney stone. Mm-hmm. So, so it's interesting that in Western medicine we use the sounds that are infrasonic or ultrasonic, but in some of the alternative medicines we seem to use the sounds that have to do with the range of frequency that's in the hearing, like bells and gongs and a number of Chinese and crystal bowls and mm-hmm. Tibetan bowls, etc. So I, I really thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really interesting as well, and and because I'm as a musician, uh, I'm I'm very tuned into sound, and and I hear music in everything. I hear music in when a bird sings or when a car is honking a horn. You know, I hear I hear the rhythms of that. I hear the pitches of that. Um, but I also find it very um, fascinating that when when I think of healing sounds, I'm I'm thinking of. I'll show you. I've got a few instruments. I'm 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 thinking of things that are in our hearing register. You know, not not the the sounds that are used in ultrasound that are actually literally physically healing, phys- physiologically. But these are sounds that I would use for a healing record. These are percussion instruments. 
So it's a it's a very organic sound. Here's another sound that I consider healing. And I use this on the intro of one of my songs called Mandela on my uh, Silver Collection record. And this is this is just a little wooden flute. Wrong end. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to me, it mimics um, the sound of a voice in a way, just like a harmonica would. So you can hear, you can feel the breathing. There's something about a breath instrument, just as in a percussion instrument, there's something very organic and and tribal about it. You know, this is this is the original instrument. I mean, the first original instrument is the voice. The second original instrument is a log drum, somebody just beating a stick on a on a log. But then there are other, you know, flutes were made that were carved out of bone or or instruments that you would blow into that that mimic the voice that that create a healing connection with people. So even though I'm blowing into an instrument, it it's a familiar song. You you feel like you feel happy when you hear that. <clears throat> I want to grab one other instrument <clears throat> because this this is a, a bass kalimba. It's from uh, West Virginia actually, but it's an African. Um, it's derived from Africa. The the uh, it originates from Africa. But the sound of this has the lower frequencies that you're talking about that are more healing. So it's a really, um, I, it's a beautiful sounding instrument. And when I saw it hanging on a wall, I needed to know what it was. And we took it down the wall, off the wall. And when you play it, it resonates against your body. And it actually does create a physical healing because it's vibrating your internal organs at, uh, at those lower frequencies. So um, th- these are just a couple of instruments that or are, for me, organic instruments that I consider healing instruments. Mm. That's just be- to let go ahead, Christina. Sorry. That's beautiful. Is is that a gourd? Is that made out of a gourd, Terry? It is. Yes. Let me grab it again for you. Yeah. It's, the back of it is a gourd. It's a gourd. It's beautiful. I mean, because I know and the Hawaiians have used gourds in for many different types of instruments. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's there's there are so many connections. Um, from different cultures of instruments that have a lot of similar qualities. Even you're talking about Hawaii, there's the ukulele, which is a nylon four-string instrument, but that is derived from an African instrument. It's actually a Brazilian instrument that came from Africa called the cavaquinho. And it's a little, looks like a little ukulele. It's a little bit smaller, but it's got four strings that are steel string. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, it, it, a lot of instruments came over from slave ships and then adapted to the climate. You know, and Hawaii was a very tropical climate, climate and, and nylon strings were more available. So mm. that's where the ukulele came from. Hmm. Very interesting. I didn't think you could get much smaller than that ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> wow. You know, there's, there's also, there's one other, let me just grab this. This is called a, a spring drum, and it's actually it's a percussion instrument. 
from Remo, and it emulates the sound of nature. It sounds like thunder or a cymbal roll, but to me it sounds like thunder, and I've used it on a couple of records. Let me just show you. So, you know, I've, I've, uh, I actually used that on uh, a Melissa Manchester record that I co-produced with her. Mm. Yeah, because I, I thought it would give an emotional um, lift to a section that we were going into. Mm, beautiful. We should mention for people that are listening that uh, Terry's showing a lot of instruments. So this might be one that uh, you might want to also watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, because it's sound, you could certainly listen to it. Terry, yeah, and every- uh, and, and so, and for the people that are listening and not watching, the spring drum is actually about uh, about nine inches long, uh, about five inches in depth, and and it's um, it's basically like a hollow tube, and there's a skin on it, and then there's a spring hanging from it, and for some mathematical reasons that are beyond me, it sounds like thunder or a cymbal. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> So, Terry, most of the people that uh, watch or listen to this show know that as a medical guide, I talk about six aspects of optimal health. And I challenged you with a process of trying to think of a couple of sounds, musical moments to uh, to introduce some of those. And you mentioned Sleep Sweet. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I'd like to just go through each of our Uh, different aspects and see what you've come up with. This would be something that I believe when we're talking about, for example, nutrition, it might be something that a person might want to listen to while they're eating to help with digestion and things like that. So let's start out, if you don't mind, and let's pick the first one as nutrition. What do you have for us? So I came up with a little uh, piece that I wrote for the show today that starts on that C major chord, uh, Leonard Cohen's chord that pleases the Lord. But there's there's a little <laughs> bit of motion to this that I to me reflects uh, good nutrition. Happy eating. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was imagining my digestive enzymes starting to work and my intestines starting to move and thinking of good food and everything else. That was very nice. Thank well, that's you. what I was, I actually, I'm glad you said that because that's what I was picturing when, when as a composer, you would, you would ask me to come up with something that, that reflects or represents all those things happening. So I, I had the same image. And perfect. And that was an original for Magical Medical Tour. Nice. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So the next one, we anybody that goes to the gym or sees people walking around and uh, running or things, always listening to something. So exercise is a very important aspect of healing. And uh, what do you have for us in the way of exercise? Well, for exercise, um, you know, there's there, there are basically – Two tempos generally of exercise. You're, you're doing a, a slow, easy warm up with light weights, and 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 it's it's going to be a, a slower tempo and an even movement. But when you move up to your aerobic level, 
or or your energetic level when you're when you're pumping and and really going you got to get people charged up so i co-wrote a piece of music specifically for exercise that ended up on a jazzercise record and also um for an artist the the album is called bermuda's triangle and we'll put a link to it the song is called dance of the divas i wrote it with Jorge Bermudez and Josie Aiello, who's the singer. And we we specifically wrote it at a, a very typical tempo for exercise, which is 120 beats per minute. So this is an example of exercise music, and it's a, a really fun song that we wrote about um, divas, uh, in, in a good sense of the word, women from around the world who are powerful. And uh, here's, here's an example. Okay, I'm a diva now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are, and hey. a diva in the most beautiful sense of the word. Yes, an empowered woman. Ooh. I was going to say that, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> that you're a diva, Glenn? Ooh. Yes, that I'm a diva now. Well, you are too. We all are. Yes. Yeah, but but, the, but I, that tempo makes you feel like you've got energy and, and that you can do anything mm. and yep. want to do anything, you know, to yes. inspire people to move. So that was very nice also. So the next two we're going to talk about are Stress and Sleep. And this is where you alluded to uh, an album that you and I did uh, called Sleep Sweet, S-U-I-T-E. And uh, to be transparent, you can buy it on uh, Yoga Hub TV and also uh, at CD Baby. And And iTunes. And iTunes. The concept for this has to do with helping people go to sleep. And the the key to all of music and health and healing have to do, I think, with two things. One is resonance, where the vibrations of the sound resonate with something that's going on in your mind at the time, and entrainment, where once your mind and brain start hearing that resonance, you can then change the beat or the music and, and take people into a different state of mind. And this is what we tried to do with this, emulating the uh, encephalogram brainwave patterns uh, when, a pe- when a person is wide awake and then going into relaxation and then uh, light sleep and then deep sleep uh, with different things like that. And we created that to help people uh, go to sleep and to de-stress so uh, it's very exciting that we've used that. That's been played. <clears throat> it's built, played in uh, countries all around the world, in China, in Thailand, in Japan, in Bhutan, multiple parts of the United States, South America, Europe, Canada, a number of other places like that. So, Terry, do you want to say anything? And then we'll listen to a little bit of Sleep Suite. I do. This this was a very different album for me and, and, um, and a really um, fulfilling and challenging album. One, to have the opportunity to work with you, um, because we've always loved playing music together for fun, but to collaborate on a project together that combined medicine and science with actual creative improvisational music, I found really intriguing. And, and I love the idea that the body 
responds and adapts to to tempo of a heartbeat. You know, um, and you had explained to me that it, when uh, the, the body's in in utero, and it it basically adapts to the the mother's breathing and her heartbeat. So when the mom goes to sleep, the baby hopefully goes to sleep. And and that was the the concept of or or the undercurrent of this music that we created. So we created these tempos that represented um, certain states of of REM cycles and sleep. And then, you know, based on the information that you gave me, and then we added, we combined these beautiful organic instruments, didgeridoo and Native American flute that you played, and and um, Tibetan bells and and um, Chinese bowls and chanting and uh, obviously guitar. Um, but it was. Um, I do want to give one little funny story. When when we were mixing the record. I was ending up sending you the mixes, and you kept saying that there was a problem in the third suite where the music was dropping out, and we couldn't find it. And it it turned out that the reason it was dropping out was because you were always falling asleep at that point of the mix. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we actually achieved the goal um, medically, and and uh, and we were also joking when we were mixing this is is that if we do this right, we're not going to be able to stay awake. And it won't be physically possible to mix the record and complete it because we won't have stayed awake through it. But it's it's um it's a really beautiful album musically, but 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 um it's it's not a new age album. You know, it's it's a it's really an album that your body adjusts to as you are falling asleep and and uh well, let's just give an example. This is this is one of the pieces called um Hypnagogue. We'll just play you a sixty second example of it but this would be one of the cycles of sleep that that it would take you through and this is composed by glenn uh, dr glenn wallman and myself That is um, one of the pieces from Sleep Suite. Yeah, wake up, Christina. Thank you. Yeah, I, w- <laughs> I was nodding off through I, that also. <laughs> I have to tell you, when Glenn first introduced me to that DVD, Terry, I never, I've never made it through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's our And I don't compliment. dare play it when I'm right. in the car because I get so relaxed. And I thought, oh, yeah. I'll use it for yoga. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Shavasana goes on. You know. <laughs> well, that was our goal: is that people would never actually get to the fourth part of the suite. There's, there, <laughs> there are four um, movements in that. And the third movement actually has to do with more of healing and and things like that. When we talk about people and singing and chanting, and there's something called toning, 
uh, mm-hmm. that we did in the third movement. Rather than actual chanting, the toning is saying, uh, just repeating vowels uh, to different patterns, and uh, and sometimes that helps. We see that in society. Singing is very important. Choirs are very important. All of these are very important in healing. They're being used in institutions now. They're being used, uh, started using things like that after World War II when people mm-hmm. were coming back with post-traumatic stress disorders, listening to music and singing. And then we see people in nursing homes that get together and uh, do choirs. And we see uh, a number of people with mental disorders uh, autistic spectrum disorders that listening to music sometimes can really be very helpful mm-hmm. to this because, mm-hmm. again, it will resonate with parts of the brain and frequencies and then and train the brain so that the whole brain starts doing that and you can see a mood change. Mm-hmm. That was Absolutely. great. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's not, uh, it's in addition to listening to music, when you are actually toning or singing or chanting, it's creating an internal ultrasound. You know, it, it's creating mm. a physical vibration in your body that is um, healing your internal organs and and, uh, and helping with your breathing, of course, which is extremely important. And there's an emotional release. You know, can I share with you a quote from, um, we're, you're talking about nursing homes, and it reminded me of um, the work that's being done with Alzheimer's patients. Um, would this be a good time for me to share that? Please share away. So this is from the Alzheimer's Association. It's from their their magazine. Many Alzheimer's patients can remember and sing songs even at advanced stages long after they've stopped recognizing names and faces. Dementia care homes often use music as recreation since it brings patients pleasure. But beyond the entertainment value, there's growing evidence that listening to music can also stimulate seemingly lost memories and even help maintain some cognitive functioning. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so, Mu- mm-hmm. Music is therapy. So I want to yeah, go absolutely. to I want to go to the last one right now. We talk about patterns of behavior, but you have chosen to look at it in terms of breathing, which is a physiological pattern uh, that the body has, and we'll combine that with spirituality. Let's uh, talk about that for a second. Yes. Yeah, so I so I was thinking about music that I've written that would represent breath. And, and represent a connection to their spiritual side. And this was um, a piece that I had created called 1111 that's on my Buddhist ear record. Also, you can find that on iTunes, and we can, uh, we'll provide the link as well. And it, um, it, it's combined a cello, a, a, a cellist named Tina Guo, who is a, a really gifted musician, and myself on nylon string guitar, and then electric guitar, that with a very ambient sound, so these volume swells that that just created something. I wanted to create a world um, with sonically. So this piece is called Eleven Eleven, and and to me it represents um, that pattern of behavior, the breathing pattern, and also a connection with spirituality.
That was great. That yeah, was great. Thank you. The, you know, the interesting thing, I'm, I'm, I'm in listening to it with you. I'm reminded that um, that we had to breathe together to record that song. We were inhaling and exhaling together and, and leaving these spaces, and um, and it was required that we breathe together in order for it to be connected. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, that was beautiful. And you know, music is also being used a lot more in the medical field. We're using it during surgery now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being played and post-operatively and uh, recovery rooms and things like that. And there's something, there's a science called thanatology. And it's really about the science of, of dying and death, things like mm-hmm. that. And so uh, it's, it's about helping people to come to manage pain and manage end of life. And when you think about music, clearly when you think about a harp, you know, yeah. that immediately makes you think about mm-hmm. it's time for dying or death right. and things like that. When you, when you listen to a Gregorian chant, you could picture a beautiful cathedral. When you listen to the Kyoto monks... You can picture a Buddhist temple. Uh, it's just all of these things bring us into the process of of how music works within us. And we're finding out now that music is not and sound is not just through um, through the ears. You know, everybody has had the experience of pulling up at an intersection where someone in the car next to you is listening to something really loud on a boombox. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, your whole body is vibrating and you could hear almost your heartbeat and you start going into that rhythm. So a lot of these things are happening because of music. And I always I've always asked myself the same question. Would I rather lose my vision or lose my hearing? You know, hmm. uh, and clearly losing your vision is much more difficult to maintain through society. But I start thinking about how I would not be able to hear some of those sounds again and I, I usually come to the process of uh, I don't want to lose sound because I love hearing those musical pieces and what they do for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. I mean, I, I would, it, you know, I've, I have friends who are both deaf and, and other friends that are sightless. Um, and I, I would probably have to choose um, keeping my hearing as well. But, I mean, it, it seems kind of obvious because I'm a musician, but um, I, w- I would be—I would deeply miss my connection, not just with with music, but with life and with people. And um, not that you can't stay connected if you can't hear, but there—I know there's something profoundly connecting to sound mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yes, I agree with both of you. <laughs> it's like, really? It is That's so interesting. Deep and it resonates so high. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do, um, I'm in the healing arts. So, you know, whether it be um, aromatherapy or light therapy, but sound therapy has been so powerful. Like working on someone's body, if it's locked up in some area, sometimes it's asking for a certain vibration of sound. Mm-hmm. And once you apply that, and that's why I said to Glenn earlier, will you please play the didgeridoo on my back? Oh. Because it resonates so deep. It's not just the sound, but the vibration of those mm-hmm. frequencies just, it, it reaches us on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. You can actually see and feel that part of the body begin to just melt. 
Well, also when when I have um, played the didgeridoo, you know, Glenn, you've given me a couple of lessons over the years on on your instrument, and the the thing that's most interesting to me is my my whole head mm. and and skull uh, vi- literally they vibrate and it starts to tingle. Mm. Um, you know, it it moves deeper into my body, but it really starts all up in what we call the mask. You know, mm-hmm. that's the singers have that part of of their skull that, that they want to open up and resonate. But the didgeridoo does that. But I, I, I almost get itchy. I mean, I really, <laughs> I tingle when I play your, your didgeridoo. Wow. Uh, well, it's interesting, the studies that are being done now, even things like on a cellular level with, with compounds or molecules like nitric oxide that get released when certain things happen, and they change cellular uh, function at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is what it's all about. And, you know, uh, we talk about uh, vibrations and healing and tuning. People can people are now creating uh, devices that if you listen in one ear to a certain frequency and to another ear, a different frequency, the difference between the two, you get a third frequency. And that sometimes can bring on a healing that, again, it's resonating with uh, levels of uh, the brain as it goes through sleep or through meditation and things like that, where it helps to uh, get rid of anxiety and it improves moods and uh, changes behavior disorders. And speaking of that, uh, we talk about healing and music. Terry, you've had some episodes where uh, you've needed some healing, both physically and mentally. You want to share a little of that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's there were two... Um, very pivotal points in my life where music um, saved me, actually. Uh, and one of them was when I was 17, uh, and my dad died. And he died in a plane crash. And um, and it was um, devastating uh, uh, for all obvious reasons. But I, I basically was, um, you know, kind of, in, even though I, I wasn't really left alone, it's, it felt like it. Um, you know, I still have my two brothers and my mother, but I ended up spending my last um, year of high school uh, or the last six months of high school living alone. Um, I was living on a boat, on a houseboat with my dad in, in Miami, and my older brother had already joined the Army. So I was severely depressed, and um, understandably, and just kind of I felt like I was sleepwalking um, for probably a year. Um, in hindsight, I didn't, you know, I was in a daze and I was just, you know, left foot, right foot, just moving through life. And I had some really wonderful family members and, and friends and teachers that stood by me to make sure that uh, I didn't commit suicide or do anything dramatic. And, and, and I did feel suicidal, not in that I wanted to kill myself. I just didn't really have the the energy or the or the desire or the drive mm-hmm. to stay alive. So you know, it, it it was I was just numb and I exhausted and really sad. And and I graduated high school and barely. I mean, I I did well because my teachers, you know, um, were very compassionate. Um, but I, I managed to get through the, the last semester of high school. And then I started taking classes at the junior college and I took a couple of music classes and it turned out that, um, the music actually for me was a ladder that helped me climb out of this hole that I didn't even know that I was in. Mm. And, 
And of course, I was developing my skills and bringing them to a, a, a newer level and, and making a commitment to focus on something. And for that, you know, there, there were two things besides my family that I love, which was music. And I also loved running, you know, f- you know, physical activity and being on the water. So I, I ran distance. I just ran a lot. And, you know, I, I would go run for an hour, you know, um, you know, just run and, but also music. And, and so it, it became music for me. I feel like it saved me. It, it, it again, it gave me a ladder or rope to use to climb out of this, this deep, dark hole and, and really created, uh, you know, gave me a focus and, and a purpose. Um, and then later on in my life, when I was, um, in my thirties and had already moved out to Los Angeles, I was in a really bad bicycle accident and came close to breaking my neck. And as it turned out, I had, um, two disc C five, six and six, seven that, uh, were, were deteriorated and, and I ended up having spinal surgery, uh, Glenn with you as my medical guide. And, you know, I, I mean, I went to the emergency room, you know, and where you were working at the time and, and, um, you know, you made sure that I was okay, you know, and, uh, but I shattered my teeth. I had gashed my chin. I had a very severe concussion and lacerations. And, um, and I ended up with a spinal fusion, C5, 6, and 6, 7, with a titanium plate, you know, piece of metal in my neck. And my hands, um, after this accident, besides all the pain, uh, my hands started getting numb and they were, uh, Actually, to this day, they're still numb. I have permanent numbness in my hands from the the deterioration of these discs from the accident. So I had the spinal surgery with Dr. Robert Bray, and it was successful. I woke up pain-free, but I woke up with numb hands. And I, could, I couldn't even play guitar for at least a month. <clears throat> and then I worked my way up to playing for five minutes. And that's all I could do. And then 10 minutes. And same thing with the, the stationary bike. You know, a friend of mine lent me a stationary bike to have at home. And I had it on level zero for five minutes, you know, and then moved up to level one for one minute, you know. And then it was, it was another <clears throat> slow climb, this, this time of a physical um, challenge instead of a, an emotional challenge. But... Um, I worked my way up to playing for five minutes and then 10 minutes and, and the physical therapy, the actual, um, therapy of moving my fingers and, and, and getting tactile, um, sending brain signals through my nerves, you know, to get my fingers to move and, um, and to sort of relearn how to play without having full sensation, um, was just part of my physical therapy. But actually at the time, as my physical part of my physical therapy, I started studying karate and um, to help build up the chi. And this was, you know, um, partially influenced by you, Glenn, and one of my therapists, and who was uh, a martial artist, um, Sensei Francois Petit, and or Shihan Petit. And I ended up studying karate, which I still study to this day. I have a black belt in in karate. And it's helped me regain some of the, the feeling in my hands. It helped regain some of the healing from the nerve damage. And, um, and you know, music, 
you know, it's interesting because music function is two things. It was part of my therapy, but it was also my goal, you know, to be able mm. to play again. And it took a good year for me, me able to, um, play the guitar at a professional level again. And, uh, you know, and I'm still numb, but I realized, um, one thing that became very clear to me that I was going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I was going to be numb in my hands for the rest of my life, whether I played guitar or not. So I might as well do what I love and figure out how to do it again. And music um, kept me going, but it was also the goal that I was heading towards was to be able to play again. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That oh, was yeah. uh, very good. Christina? You're welcome. What a beautiful journey. Um, thank you. I, I, I didn't feel beautiful at the time, but, but, um, but it's definitely been a journey and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, because, because, um, I mean, I believe that, that through our hurdles in life that we blossom and, yeah, yeah. you know, through all those experiences, Terry, that you can draw from emotions and feelings. And I mean, that was everything to do in your body and in the cellular level and yeah. now you've brought it out through your music. It's beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that I've, I've traded um, some technical facility, you know, not being able to play as fast for um, more, more depth and more, you know, mm. uh, content. There's a deeper place that I draw from when I'm playing and when, and when I'm writing music right now. So, mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, it's been a gift. Mm -hmm. and, and I have a lot of gratitude um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not only grateful to be able to play, but I'm, I'm not to sound, sound melodramatic, but I'm, I'm grateful to be able to walk. Um, because I, <laughs> I met somebody when I was on tour, I was touring with Kepmo, who's a wonderful blues artist. And we were in, um, Washington state and, uh, there was somebody in a wheelchair that was in the audience that I could see from my side of the stage who was a quadriplegic. And I, um, um, was watching him with this big grin on his face, watching me play and watching all of us. And he was nodding from, you know, the neck up, he could mm -hmm. move. He had, he had, it turns out I, I went and spoke to him, befriended him. And, um, he had movement in one of his fingers so he could control his wheelchair. He works at Microsoft. Um, he recently got married and had a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was a quadriplegic. And when I was talking, I went up and talked to him, um, after the show, because I was curious and, and, um, just introduced myself to him and he lit up because he goes, you're the guitar player, mandolin player. And I said, yeah, that's me. And, uh, he, I, I said, I have a neck injury also, but it's, it's really minor compared to yours. And he said, what's your injury? And I said, well, it was a bike accident. It was, um, C five, six and six, seven. And he said, yeah, we have the exact, the exact same injury. Just mine was maybe a, a few millimeters worse than yours. Mm, so that, wow. that put it in perspective. I'm, I'm grateful to, to be able to walk. Mm. Yeah. Every day, all of us right. in, sure. in that respect. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Beautiful. Terry, story. you talk about, yeah, it really is. Um, I haven't heard all of that story. I've heard many right. parts of it, but yeah. putting it together like this and listening to it is great. And speaking about playing instruments, you know, we talk about, uh, People for memory, uh, people that are losing their memory, dementia, Alzheimer's, they always recommend things like Sudoku or playing games or learning a new language or playing an instrument. What's your <laughs> thoughts on uh, playing an instrument, not only as therapy, but 
just for health and and healing for in general i i think it's it's it should be required i think or not required to not forced but offered um being able to um to play an instrument uh is is fun it's really fun it's it's play it's a you know the word play is is not um uh, lost to uh, many of us as musicians, you know, it's supposed to be fun. I mean, we're we're very um, disciplined in our in our practice to to achieve a level of of um, of technical ability, uh, and we go to school and learn theory, and and so we can express ourselves. But it's really really fun to play music with people, and you know, there there are a lot of people. You know, you can very easily go up on the internet and just Google autistic child musician and a lot of things will come up and there there are many people who are uh, um, completely nonverbal they they're severely autistic they don't have the ability to express themselves musically but somehow they have this remarkable remarkable ability to play an instrument brilliantly and and express themselves that way um, you know I I um, Remember years ago when my first record came out um, back in 1988, Bimini, and I had the opportunity to go to Las Vegas to perform for one of the radio stations there. And the station manager asked me if I would do him a big favor and come to his house after the radio interview because his son was severely autistic. And he said he's nonverbal, but he's very um, aware and involved and has friends that come and pick him up and take him to bowling alleys. And, you know, he had as a social life, couldn't, could not speak a word. Um, couldn't walk, you know, he was in a wheelchair. He didn't have good motor control, but he said, he's a really big fan of your music. And <laughs> it would be really wonderful if you would just come over and meet him. He goes, I know it's asking a lot. And I said, I'd be honored. And I went over and I met him and, and his dad, mm. you know, he's lying on the floor or on the bed. Would, and, um, you know, he was probably about 12 years old and my, his dad showed him the, the photo. He showed him the, the record album, <clears throat> you know, the LP. So it was bigger. He had it in his room and basically introduced me and said, this is Terry. <clears throat> this oh, is the person whose who's record you love. And, and I, you know, I shook his hand and talked to him and he lit up, you know, he, he couldn't talk, but he was grinning and, and slobbering and, you know, just, <laughs> you know, and rolling around and had, you know, and grunting. And, and I could tell that he was really happy to meet me and I was really happy to meet him. So even somebody who didn't have the ability to play an instrument had the ability to appreciate um, and not just appreciate, but I mean, but but be deeply moved mm -hmm. by music, you mm -hmm. know. And um, so I think that um, you know, first of all, it's it's just a sin that music programs are being cut from schools. Mm, um, yes. You know, music <laughs> in schools, music in nursing homes, music in hospitals, um, music at the you know. When I was in Miami the last time, I went to the VA, you know, and and did a show for the and talk for the, the, the vets, the wounded warriors through my brother, Scott, who's a, a veteran. And, uh, you know, just to have the opportunity to share some music with them and bring some smile, bring smile to their face, bring some light, watch them tapping their feet and having a good time. So, so music, um, having the opportunity 
to be exposed to music, to hear music. Um, you know, there. I, I saw a video um, a year ago where there was um, there was a um, music therapist, or she was actually an older woman who was going to a hospital to speaking. You know, trying to get people who were nonverbal, um, who had severe autism, advanced autism, to to communicate and speak. And there was there was an older woman who could not speak at all. As a matter of fact, I think the person who was doing who was going to the hospitals was a Holocaust uh, survivor. And was something she did to volunteer. And she went and started singing a song to this one woman who was nonverbal. And the woman started singing along with her. You know, and she had not spoken for a year. And she still couldn't speak, but she started singing the words to this song. So mm-hmm. it's profoundly important to provide uh, musical instruments and and musical access and exposure to people um, who are depressed, who are um, um, physically um, disabled in some way, um, you know, and, and, and actually it's not even just older people. There, you, know, you know, I have a friend who um, is an interpreter for the deaf, and she brought, um, this was back in the day when I first started, you know, recording my albums, and I was playing in clubs in L.A., and she brought a friend of hers who was deaf, to come to see my show. And she told me that she went to tower records and bought my record and had it and played it. And, and I, and I asked her, how, how do you, how can you listen to my music? She says, I feel the vibration through the floor and I really like the beat, you know, it makes me happy. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and the funny thing about that too, was she had showed up at the club early before my friend who could speak was there, the interpreter and so she she showed up alone and she was real pretty and all these guys were hitting on her and she was having these conversations with guys because she could read lips really well. They didn't know she was deaf because <laughs> it, was a, it was a club and everybody's there's loud music and everybody's buying each other drinks and talking and, you know, and she's, you know, close to them and, you know, and she could speak. And it was so it was really funny. I said, how did how did you have these conversations? She goes, they didn't know that I'm just reading their lips. So she, you know, <laughs> she would go out to clubs and hear music. Hey, Terry, to keep peace in the family, you uh, yes. mentioned uh, one of your brothers. And I know you have another brother who is a musician. So I do. You better, get, Michael. better get his name out there. <laughs> Thank you. In addition to my brother, Scott, who does volunteer work for, for the VA, um, my brother, Michael, who also lives in Miami, um, is I'm so proud of him. He's a, a single dad, and he's raising his daughter Victoria, and and she's turning out to be lovely. But Michael plays drums and percussion, and and he plays in some bands in in Miami, and and that's another really great example. He's he doesn't make a, a full time living as a musician. Uh, he made a decision to um, get a regular job so that he could raise his daughter and and be there you know, take her to school and drop her off, but he still plays music and he's great and it brings him a lot of joy and, and him playing brings joy to other people. And so, uh, shout out to my brother, Michael also, who's, um, who expresses himself through, um, drums and and percussion as well. There you go. You know, I, I just want to mention for a lot of people that don't think they might have musical talent, uh, we talked about the didgeridoo, and I recommend that to a lot of my clients as a medical guide because you don't have to know music, you don't have to know notes, you don't have to know timing. Um, it teaches you breathing uh, and meditation, and it's calming, and you can be creative with it. So I think 
unless you have a great instrument that you want to play, I recommend to everyone play the didgeridoo. Right. Or get a harmonica that you can put in your pocket because you're just breathing. You breathe out and you breathe in. I just made music, and I didn't even move the instrument. I'm just exhaling and inhaling. So it's it's good physically, and it's fun. I wondered how that thing worked, because <laughs> through all these years, I thought you had to always breathe out. <laughs> no, you breathe in and out. You inhale, and you exhale, and it makes two different sounds. And then you you move. If you go higher... <laughs> All right, out comes the harmonica. <laughs> and there, anybody can play one. Love it. Terry, uh, yes. one of the things we always try and do on this show is get Christina to bounce. Oh. And, uh, and that usually happens when the person we're interviewing is saying something very interesting or exciting or something like that. And recently, uh, Charles Edward Anderson Berry. Yeah who was born October 18th, 1926, and died March 18th, 2017. He was an American guitarist, singer, and a songwriter, and one of the pioneers of rock and roll. And every once in a while, we do a little tribute. So I wonder if you would do a couple of notes to honor uh, Mr. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry, Mm. absolutely. Rock and roll, Chuck Berry. Rock I'm and bouncing. roll. Were you bouncing? <laughs> I was bouncing a long time ago. When oh, I was the you diva, go. you know, I got it. Got it. Uh, right. I had you a diva. <laughs> That's yeah. right. All right, Terry, we're coming to the end of the show. And for each of our guests, we always ask for a health tip. I'm very interested in what you might have to offer for us today. Well, there are so many, but I mean, but, and this is kind of an obvious one, but it's something that I've been doing my whole life and will continue to do. I get up and stretch, and and because as uh, as a musician, I spend a lot of hours, whether it's standing or sitting, I'm playing the guitar for hours, I'm at the computer, I'm making phone calls and doing business. Once every hour, I, I'm religious about it. I get up, I walk away from whatever I'm doing. I even do it when I'm at an office or if I'm working in a recording studio. I'll, I'll step away and I'll go up against a wall and I'll, and I'll stretch. I'll stretch for five minutes and shrug my shoulders and, and stretch my hands and fingers and, you know, and do neural stretching and move my neck around and just stretch, stretch. But, but it's not a long amount of stretching. It's just doing it once every hour so that I don't get stiff. I love Mm. that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Very nice. Terry, is there anything else you wanted to say before we, uh, we uh, end the show, and there won't be an encore, I don't think. Although uh, you're used to, <laughs> you're used to encores, I'm sure. Oh, I, I can end the show with playing the the piece that I wrote for you on the Viola too. I, I'll, I'll grab that. But you know, I just wanted to say that you know you you hear the phrase music is a universal language, and and um, and it is. You know, the 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 thing that's that's so interesting about 
about music is regardless of um, the amount of notes that are in each of our scales, you know, in in American or European music, there, there are 12 tones that we use. There are other um, countries and cultures, Indian music, Iranian music that use micro scales. So there's maybe four um, spaces between each note. You know, they're, they're larger scales. But even with people not knowing each other's scales or being able to speak the same language, I've had experiences, and I've seen other people have these experiences. As a matter of fact, there's a really beautiful documentary called Throw Down Your Heart by Bella Fleck, who's a, a banjo player. He took a journey to Africa to discover the roots of his instrument, the banjo. But he ended up playing. He'd pick up his instrument, and he would have a conversation, a musical conversation, with people that didn't speak English, and he didn't speak their language. And they would instantly be able to play music together. And it's it's a real pure and beautiful form of communication that uh, I'm just fascinated by, and it's it's really amazing. You know, it, it it brings people together, and it allows people to express themselves and connect with each other on a very deep emotional level. So um, I want I just want to share that. Let me grab the viewella for a second. Okay, uh, Christina, any thoughts? Hmm, I love it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, we're going to say our goodbyes, and then you're going to take us out afterwards with uh, a little more of your created chord to please Magical Medical Tour. I'm grateful to our very special guest and my cousin, Terry Wallman, for sharing his wisdom and experience and expertise with us. I'd like to thank all of my teachers and my healers for keeping me on my journey and thanking Yoga Hub and Christina and Segovia and all of our listeners and viewers for staying with us. I look forward to getting together again on Magical Medical Tour as we explore another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. <clears throat> and until our next meeting, Terry, thank you so much. I wish thank you all you. optimal health. Through music. Do you want Terry to play now, or do you want me to finish this off first? <laughs> you finish, and then Terry will kick us out, okay. as we say in the in the business. Great. Well, Terry, thank you so much for making music with us today. That I mean, music is my world, and I love it. Um, and you've really blessed us and honored us today, and with your stories and your journey which is really fantastic and beautiful. And, uh, well, we, we hope to be able to collaborate with you more and uh, come see you on that stage. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Dr. Woolman, for another fabulous show. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support, and we look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. You can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman through his website, glennwoolman.com, where we do encourage you to learn about his metaphor square breath. And please follow him on Facebook at The Medical Guide. You can connect with Terry Woolman through his website, terrywoolman.com, and follow him on Facebook, Terry Woolman Music, and of course on Twitter at Terry Woolman. We hope that you have enjoyed this moment on YHTV and um, hopefully it supported you and, and loved one. We invite you to take a moment to like us or subscribe to our channel. We're always grateful for any feedback and comments, suggestions that you might have. 
give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Glenn. pain, it turns out, has very little to do and very little correlation with uh, tissue damage. And it has more to do with uh, the brain mishandling the information, uh, either because of some genetic predisposition to pain or some early life predisposition to pain or uh, psychosocial issues. it's the chronic pain is more associated with brain phenomenon than peripheral phenomenon now there are obviously exceptions and that is uh